0: Hey everyone, welcome to the Coastal Podcast. I'm Pastor Lucas Granger, and want to say thank you for listening in. May this podcast bring some light to your world today. Enjoy, grace and peace. Amen. Amen and amen. In the book of Matthew chapter 21, it says this beginning in verse 12. Now Jesus entered the temple And he began to drive out all the people that were buying and selling animals for sacrifice. He knocked over the tables of the money changers and the chairs of those who were selling doves. And he says to them this, the scriptures declare my temple will be called a house of prayer. But you, you've turned it into a den of thieves. And the blind and the lame, they came into the temple and he healed them. Did you catch that? And the blind and the lame, they came to him in the temple, and he healed them. And the leading priests and the teachers of the religious law saw these wonderful miracles, wonderful miracles, and heard even the children in the temple shouting, praise God for the son of David. But the leaders were what? Indignant. Wonderful miracles. How should we react to the miracle? Indignant. Indignant. And they asked Jesus, did you hear what these children are saying? Yes, Jesus replied, haven't you read the scriptures? For they say, you have taught the children and infants to give you praise. Then he returned to Bethany where he stayed overnight. Here it is, part two, this week, this house will be called a house of prayer. Last week we talked about uh, it is called, this week we're talking about it is written. And so Jesus, when he says this, this is not a new statement. He's not coming onto the scene just says, like, hey, there's something brand new I want to tell y'all. When it comes to the temple, when it comes to this place, it's going to be called a house of prayer. No, no, this was actually written about a long, long time ago by the prophet Isaiah. And so what Jesus is referring to is Isaiah chapter 56 that we are going to read here in just a second. Are you with me? Isaiah 56. So a little background on this. Um, This is a a prophecy to the people uh, that are returning from, getting ready to return uh, to Jerusalem from exile. They've been in captivity. The Assyrians have tried to take over them, and then the Babylonians take over them. They've spent 70 years in this place, and they're making their way back to Jerusalem. So this this is a generation that didn't grow up in the temple. This is a generation that all they've known is captivity, Uh, they've heard some of the stories of their parents saying this is what it was like. And now all of a sudden we have this prophecy from Isaiah and listen to what it says. This is what the Lord says. In other words, everything you're about to hear, uh, this this is what God is saying. Be just and fair to all. How many, just a few people? No, no, to all people. Do what is right and good. For I am coming soon to rescue you and to display my righteousness among you. Blessed are all those who are careful to do this. Blessed are those who honor my Sabbath days of rest and keep themselves from doing wrong. Don't let foreigners who commit themselves to the Lord say this. The Lord will never let me be a part of this people. And don't let the eunuch say this. I'm a dried up tree with no children and no future. For this is what the Lord says I will bless those eunuchs who keep my Sabbath day holy and who choose to do what pleases me and commit their lives to me. I will give them within the walls of my house a memorial and a name that's far greater than sons and daughters could ever give. For the name I give them, it's an everlasting one and it will never disappear. I will also bless the foreigners who commit themselves to the Lord who serve him and love his name who worship him and do not desecrate the Sabbath day of rest and who hold fast to my covenant and here it goes are you ready I will bring them to my holy mountain of Jerusalem and I will fill them with joy in my house of prayer I will accept their burnt offerings and their sacrifices because my temple will be called a house of prayer for all nations. For the sovereign Lord who brings back the outcast of Israel says, I will bring others too besides my people. Ooh, ooh, this is good. So here's this people that have this promise that, ah, there's rescue coming And I'm going to bring you back to this place. And this place that I'm bringing you back to, it's called a house of prayer. And this house of prayer will be for all nations. And Israel, you have to understand this, that as I bring you back, it's not just about you. I'm bringing others with you. There's people that are, so, so as you come back to the Lord, as you come back to this holy place, as you come to this holy mountain, understand Israel, there's gonna be the foreigner and the eunuch. There's gonna be all of these, and they're gonna say things that don't make sense. They're gonna say things like, the Lord would never let me into that place. I don't belong there. And to which, don't let them say this, because I'm doing this house of prayer for all nations. Come on, somebody. I'm bringing the outcasts in the fore. I'm doing this to remind you, Israel, because you have been scattered. You have been outcast, And this is for all people. So some things about this house of prayer. What does it look like? Uh, first thing, there's many things. We're gonna hit a few of them this morning. He says, there is joy in my house. Come on, there's gonna be some joy in the house this morning. And, and who is the joy for The joy is for those that are hopeless. The joy is for, like, for those who, who, who think that there's no hope for the unit, Because like, I'm just this dried up tree. There's hope and there's joy in this place. For those that think that they don't belong, God's saying you do belong. Have you ever had that feeling of that place where, man, I just don't know if I belong there? If they knew all of the things, or or if you've walked into rooms, you've walked into spaces, and you don't feel like you belong, and God's saying, listen, that's how some of you felt about my house, but I'm here to tell you, I built this house for you. For those who feel like they don't belong, who feel like they're an outcast, there is hope. There's hope in this house. For those that feel like their dreams are but a dried-up tree... This place is where the dead are made alive in Christ. This place is where worship and Sabbath collide. This place is where holiness is found, not because it's us, it's because where God reveals himself in his holiness. Oh, this is a place where covenant is made and we are to be just and fair to who? To all. This Is God's vision for His house that there would be joy in my house of prayer, which begs the question: How do you describe it? How do you describe the house? Is there a joy? Is there this the realization of this good news of the hope that we have in Christ? The hope of Jesus Christ. The realization that without Him, I'm it's it's broken. I, 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 there, there, there's no hope outside of Jesus. I could try and do, but I'm barren without Him. I do feel like that dried up tree. Dreams are crushed, and to which God says, "No, no, no! Don't let them say that anymore." So, if you're in the house this morning and you feel hopeless, you're in the right place. If you're in the house this morning and you're just like, "I, I, I don't, I don't know if I belong here. I don't know if I fit." I, Jesus says you're in the right place. He says, this, this is for you. This is why we're doing this. If you're in a place where you just feel like all of your dreams are just crushed and you've even just given up on life, God says, this is the place for you. I've got something for you. And there's some joy in this place this morning. And so I asked the question, at what point in our history did we start treating church like a social club? At what point did we think that church was just for the elite? You, like, you had to get everything all right and all together before you came to church. Like, this is the church you know, like, where God puts all things right. This is, this is the place where, man, man, it's not my job to fix you. I can't fix me, y'all. I, I am beyond. I try, It ain't going to work. You need Jesus. I need Jesus. And so we come into this place, but we forget. We forget. Sometimes we've come into this place for so long and so often we forget what it's like to be the outsider. We forget what it was like in this place where we had no hope and if we're not careful, what happens is we start pretending. We start pretending like we have it all together and we start pretending like we don't have doubts and we pretend like we don't have fears and we don't have worries and we don't even wanna say these things because, matter of fact, we're on the in crowd now and so I can't say those things anymore and so we just pretend. And here's the thing, the second you start faking it is the moment that you forgot it. Because if you're faking it, that just means you've forgotten all that God has saved you from. He has saved you from so much. And we are coming here daily, weekly, every moment of every hour of God, we need you. God, if you don't come through, it's the acknowledgement of my absolute brokenness and dependency on you. And so this morning, I simply want to remind us of this beautiful picture that Jesus has painted, and we don't deserve any of it, and yet this is what Jesus says, this is what I'll call it. This is going to be my house of prayer, and this is what it can look like. Can we just talk about that for a little while this morning? Can we just dream a little bit about this picture that Jesus has for his church for this temple, for this gathering. Because one of the things he says, like, not only will there be joy in this house, he's like, there's gonna be rescue. There's rescue for you people. There's rescue for you, Israel, as you come back out of this captive situation. There's rescue, and I was thinking about this idea of rescue this week, and just how desperately we all need it, and how there's different types of rescue. And, and it brought me to the book of Romans, chapter five and verse 10, Because this is something that maybe we don't think about often. But it says this in Romans 5 and 10. It says, for if we, while we were God's enemies, did you catch that? While we, while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? So there's this rescue plan going on. And this rescue plan takes on different forms. And first and foremost, there's a rescue from God. Like, no, no, we were enemies with God. Like, we don't hear about that a lot. But there's this realization. Now, now look at how God treats his enemies. He sends his son to die for us. I was enemies, and this is how he treats his enemies. I'm going to give my life that way we can be reconciled back together with me. So first and foremost, there's this rescue from God, because he's holy and I'm not. And then there's this rescue from the enemy, because there's a very real enemy, it's not this kind of metaphorical thing, but there's a real enemy and he's out to steal, to kill and destroy. And he wants to do it, and so there's this rescue from that enemy as well, but then there's another type of rescue that I don't think we think about as well, but there's a rescue from you. There's a rescue from you. Come on, somebody. I don't know about you, but I get on my own nerves. Come on. Sometimes I'm just like, God, why am I, oh my goodness, getting on my own nerves, can't even be around myself. Can we just get the mirrors out of this place? Come on. Like, I don't even want to hear myself. Don't want to hear me talking, just all that. And God, you rescued me from me. And the scripture shows that there's this lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, pride of life. Let's, let's not act like those things don't happen. Come on. The, this flesh lusts for things, this, this, these eyes, they see things. That some of us, come on, we are just one commercial away from falling into sin. Come on, you see one commercial, all of a sudden, ooh, lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, don't lie. Come on, I'm the only one in the house. I'm the only one. Some of y'all are one McDonald's commercial away. You weren't hungry, but all of a sudden, lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes. ooh, And then pride of life, ooh, nobody can tell me I can't have McDonald's. I'm gonna get my own McDonald's. I got my own money, I got my own car. All of these things. And all of a sudden, whoa, 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 hold on! I need some rescue from me, because that wasn't the enemy. The enemy didn't come in and no, 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 no. That was you. That was you. Come on. The other day, when I say the other day, it was a few weeks ago. The other day has no time in my mind. The other day, I'm out and I'm mowing the grass, and there's this big cloud coming. And I'm just, I'm gonna beat it. I'm gonna beat it. I'm gonna, beat it. yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm gonna do it. I'm on, I'm on track. I'm gonna beat and mow this grass. Pow! And Devin's in the house, and she sees me in the backyard, and I'm just kicking the, <laughs> kicking the tire, and the belt had blown up. I was one lawnmower belt away from losing my salvation. <laughs> just like, God, stupid lawnmower, right? Come on, lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, pride of life, all of these things. Lord, I need some rescue for me. Sometimes we think it's the big things, like, oh, this thing might trip you up. No, 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 it's just a lawnmower belt. I need some rescue And then God says this in verse 1, listen Israel, I'm I'm coming soon, I'm going to rescue you soon. And to which I think, God, we got to talk about this word soon. I don't think you know what it means. God, there's soon, and soon means quickly. And and, and so God, you know, this whole soon thing, we we need to, God, God, you don't know. And to which God's like, well, you know, a day is like a thousand years, a thousand years is like a day. I'm like, it doesn't work that way, God. Right, if you could just be quicker, if you could do things on my timetable, if you could just, come on, if I could give you the definition of soon, we'd have this thing wrapped up. <laughs> to which maybe I'm the one with the wrong definition. Maybe I'm the one that needs to submit and say like all of this, it is soon. I need some rescue now though, God. Sometimes it just feels like you need some rescue now and this moment. And we're having that same fight again. And the car broke down again, and the kid's acting crazy again. And the doctor's report came back negative, or bad, or positive, and I need some rescue again. Right now, where are you? And God says, yeah, 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 I got you. There's rescue, there's rescue coming. I I know you've been in exile for the last 70 years. I know you don't even have a full picture of what it should look like, church. But it's coming, it's coming. Cause there's joy in this house of prayer. There's rescue in this house of prayer. And, and, and then there's so many things in this thing, it says there's unity in this house of prayer. I'm bringing people from every tribe and every tongue and, and every nation and as they come back with you, understand that the foreigners are gonna come into this place too. Now this is absolutely revolutionary thinking. The, the, this would not have taken place. And so, as Isaiah is prophesying this, it, this is like, whoa, whoa, whoa. You, you, you mean outsiders are going to be allowed in? But this is a holy place, and, and, and like, they can mess it up. And so, it's you now what this is what I call it. This is my vision of it. There's unity in this place. This is the very nature of the worship that Jesus is looking for unity in his house. It's the very thing that he prayed for, unity in his body. But there was this segregation there was jews and then there was everybody else jews and gentiles and and, and so you kind of you guys can have your gods and all these things and but you weren't part of this and he says I don't let them say that anymore don't let them say that anymore because this place is going to be a house where people from all nations come together now what's interesting is Jesus says this in this prophecy that he's referring to in Isaiah that's happening literally like five, six hundred years before even Jesus comes on the scene and says it's written, this is what it'll look like. Like, there's been this outworking of it. And it's slow. As a matter of fact, when we get to the Gospels, when we get to the book of Acts, we see that this is still an issue. God has to deal with Peter and like, no, 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 there's certain things, like, it's going to change. And and all of this happening over a long time period of time, even now, 2,000 years later after the cross, we look at the church today and there's still so much segregation in the church. And, and, and I, would, I, would, I would ask us to expand our even definition of that for a few moments because sometimes we look at it and we think, well, there's the white church and there's the black church and the Spanish church and the Korean church and all these things, that we, and we love to, to segregate by the color of our skin, but then we also love to segregate in other ways. We just call one Baptist and Methodist. And non-denominational, and all these things. So we do all of these things to, to, to segregate and become uh, what literally is separate nations, denominations, separate nations. All of this with this idea, like no, no. And, and I would encourage you to think this, that it's, it's not just that we're separating because of the color of, of our skin, we're separating because of our preference. And we've made a God out of our preferences, because I just I like it this way, and I want it to be want it to look like this, and I and I want this, and and here's the thing: you could find a church for every preference your heart desires right now. Whatever your heart is searching for, there is a church to meet that need. And and, and you I mean just just all I gotta do is say one thing you don't like, and you could go right down the road and find another church that'll say the thing that you do like. All we gotta do is open up the scriptures and say one thing that, oh, I'll find another church that says something else. And it has nothing to do with Jesus. It has everything to do with our preference. If you want your worship to be a certain way, you can find it. Well, I just don't like the way they do worship there. I just wish it was quieter. I wish they didn't have instruments. I wish it was like, well, I wish it was, you can find what you're looking for. But it's not for you. The worship isn't for you, and yet we search for the thing to fill our soul. Like, no, 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 that's not what it's even supposed to be about. Looking for the expressions and, and different types of churches. And when we pray, God, your kingdom come, I think sometimes what we're saying is, God, your kingdom come, but just the parts that I agree with, just the parts that make me comfortable just the parts that look like me and talk like me and act like me and think like I think, your kingdom coming that way, but if something's a little bit different to me, you can just hold that over there and we'll just call it a separate, well, denomination or race or people group or whatever. And so we don't have what Isaiah 56 has prophesied, which it's not just Isaiah, it's what Jesus said. This is what I want my church to look like. This is what the temple's gonna look like. So it doesn't matter what you want because this is how it's supposed to be. And it's so funny, like, I've seen people people leave churches all the time, and, well, why did you leave? And I'm telling you, 98% of the time, it's not because they're leaving because of bad theology. They're leaving because of their preference. And if we were to be honest, like, we've even been tempted to. Well, I don't know. Because there's this something, because there's this thing inside of us that wants what we want, and that's why you need some rescue from you. Because we'll we're geared to just pursue the thing that we want. And so I would pose the question this morning is, what happens when your preferences are taken away? What happens when you don't have the choices that you have now? Because the reality is that is the truth for a good majority of the world. There's p- people in China and people in Afghanistan and people in Iraq, but they don't get all of these choices they don't, they don't, they don't go, to wor- go to worship at two o'clock in the morning under threat of death and be like, I don't know, the worship just wasn't that good today. <laughs> like, no, we, we didn't die tonight, right? I think I'm going to another church. Like, what? <laughs> like, no, come on, America. But what happens when our preferences are taken away? I remember years ago, I was in uh, India. And, I mean, these guys, man, they could worship. And... I remember it's, it's like two o'clock in the morning and like the party had just been going and people are worshiping and the dude leading the worship, like it's horrible. Like it's, my, my man has this guitar with two strings and I'm just like, oh God, like this is not good. Like, oh, I'm dying. And then in the back of my mind come the words of Chris Stanley that he has told me for the last 25 years of my life that his wife told him, can you praise him now? Because I thought the worship wasn't about you, Lucas. And so as I'm there and I'm in India and the two strings on that guitar, I don't even think they were in tune, but my man was working and doing the best he could with what he had. And what happens when our preferences are taken away? What happens when you don't have Alan here and all the strings on the guitar? and you're not able to worship like this freely? Can you worship in the darkest night of your soul? Can you worship when the doctor tells you what you don't wanna hear? Can you worship when the prodigal son's still a long ways off and you can't see any hope? Because if you can't, you've built this life that's based on your preference, because my preference is comfort. My preference is ease. My preference is, it'd be just so easy if Alan just does this all the time. But I've got to learn how to do this without Alan. I've, learned, I've got to learn how to do this without whatever it is. Because God, it's about you to lay these preferences. And here's the thing, on some level, we're all guilty, right? We're enjoying the AC right now, right? We're enjoying the fact that Randy spent the last 50 years playing that guitar and he's very good at it. Yeah, right? And there's nothing wrong with that. The problem becomes if that becomes the foundation of my worship. The problem becomes if, if my worship is predicated on these things. My preference. Sometimes our worship is more about us than God. Why'd you come here today? Don't answer it out loud. If <laughs> <Don't, laughs> if you're a believer and you're in the house this morning, if you're not, why did you come here? Me and Scott were just talking a little bit about this before service, and like, and Scott was like, "Man, you know, I heard you preach, and man, I just knew that I knew that this this is kind of what what I what I was looking for," and and I was told like, "Man, that's good, but if you came because of me, you're gonna leave because of me." And that's where it gets really interesting, because that's how the Holy Spirit works. The Holy Spirit will use us, and he'll use the Holy Spirit in us to draw people. But if if we use that to just draw to ourselves, it's just a matter of time. But if we, no, 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 this is about Jesus. So at some point, Scott was say, well, yeah, 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 Lucas, you may have, you and the Holy Spirit may have drawn it first, but now it ain't about you. Now it's because I'm coming here to worship God with all of my heart, with all of my mind. So if you come because of me, like you'll, you'll leave because of me. If you came because, oh, I, I like the worship that way, you'll leave because you don't like the worship the other way when Alan decides to switch it up, right? All, all of these preferences, all of these things, it, it, it could drive us. What, what, is, what is God calling you to? Why are we here? Maybe some of us are here just because it's simply convenient. Well, you're just the closest church around. Well, you'll leave when something else becomes more convenient. And we saw that in 2020, when you could go to church from your living room, and we could just sit on that couch. And and for those of you online right now, I love you. (laughs) I love you, but come on. There's situations where that's helpful. It's a great, it's a beautiful tool. But if it becomes your crutch, if it becomes your thing, that, well that way I don't have to be around nobody. That way I ain't got to talk to nobody. That way, you, no, 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 you have missing it. You're miss, come on, I'll, I'll get off of that one. <laughs> why, are, why, are, why are we here? Is this where God is calling us as his people to honor and to worship and to Sabbath and to rest in his holiness together, not denying the gathering of the saints and not forgetting our need for rescue? Why are we here? Why are we here? Why are we here? I remember growing up here i knew one thing for sure and that one thing was this god was not calling me here that one thing for sure was like there's no way i'm going to end up in brunswick county north carolina and as soon as i can i'm out of this place And, and i went and i traveled the world and i spent a lot of time and i found man oh indonesia that's the place for me yeah, 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 God, you've called me here. This is the rest of my life, surfing the greatest waves in the world. Eating the best food in the world around people that don't irritate me. Come on. Come on, nobody's fighting over a parking spot. You just slam your car right in there. It's acceptable. All of these things. I knew this for sure, and and, and I was doing these things, and actually very, very... Uh, Successful, quote, successful in it. You know, I had had so many uh, connections in Indonesia with government and things that had visa issues that gotten taken care of. And God was providing miraculously all of these things. And then a day came where Jesus said this to me Lucas, I want you to plant a church. No. No. Do not want to do that. And then he said, I want you to plant a church in Brunswick County. No, 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 no. You do not know what you're talking about, God. Not the place for me. But we did. And we started the church. And I remember having all these questions about these new church planners and doing and what you should do. And I said, just do the complete opposites. Because I was trying for this church to fail for years. We would, we would try and do all kinds of things. We'd give away all the money. We're like, man, if we just give all the, way, the money away, then we can't pay rent. But then money would come in. Gosh, God, you did it again and again. And and then about a year into it, Alan uh, left to go to the Navy. And I thought, yes, this will be the thing that does it. If Alan's not here, the church will fail. Yes, I'll go back to Indonesia. People kept showing up. And then Alan was doing his thing in the Navy, and then he had to suffer for Jesus in Hawaii and to which I thought, all right, God, you just, not Brunswick County, but you're calling us to plant a church in Hawaii. I'll go, I'll move in Alan's bonus room, we'll, we'll do this in Hawaii, and God never let me do that. And then I came back, or, I, or, I, or I, I, I stayed here. Why did I stay here? Why am I here? Because this is where God called me. And then years later, Alan came back from Hawaii. Why are you here? Because this is where God called me. This is where God called me. This is what God called you to do. So things, and God, God said, no, no, you've got to have that deep into your soul. Because the second things get tough, you're gonna wanna go back to Hawaii. Because why, wow, we all wanna go to the comfort. We all wanna go, we wanna pursue this thing where, where it's, it's just, no, why are we so afraid that God might call us to a place that we don't wanna go? This is my place that I didn't wanna go, right? I remember hearing all of these for years, it was, it was missionaries like, I don't know, I don't wanna give my life to that because then God might call me to some jungle uh, or he might call me to some place over in Africa. He might call me to Afghanistan in some desert. Like, so there's this fear of I don't know what God might do. But here, here's what you don't understand. That is where you will find the most joy. So if God calls you to that desert on the other side of the world, that is the place in which he will fill you with the most joy. No, 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 when you're right here in the middle of doing what I've called you to do, not about you, not about your preference, I will fill you up. I will fill you with joy in this place. I'll fill you with an incredible joy that you never even thought you could have. But if we're driven by our preferences, we will miss out on the joy because our preferences will only provide this little temporary nugget of adrenaline rush, or whatever it may be. Oh, that was good for a moment. Oh, but there's a joy that God wants to pour out. Like no, 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 I'm smacked in the middle of his will and doing what he's called me to do. And even when you didn't think it'd be in the place that you thought he'd send you. But here's where it's tough, because it doesn't happen overnight. This prophecy that Isaiah talked about, this is 500, 600 years before Jesus. Another 2,000 years since then, and we're still working through the same issues. We're still working through the rescue, the joy, the unity. We still has the desire to, 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 to separate all of this. But, but I've learned this about surrender. And, and surrender, it, it's different for all of us. But one thing's for sure. You will never find your water in your desert until you start digging your well. You've got to say, this ain't the place where I wanted to be, but this is where you've put me, God, and this is where we're going to dig. Until you say otherwise. And that's what Jeremiah 29 is all about. We're in a place that we don't want to be, but God says, I'm going to plant some vineyards here. Plant some things here and just watch what I can do. Watch how my rescue comes. Watch how I bring you home, every tribe and every tongue and every nation. Because remember, Israel, it's not just about you. I'm bringing others with you. It's not just about your salvation. It's not just about what God's doing in your life. There's people that are around you that are watching you. And as they watch you come home, I know I want to be a part of that too. And as they become and want to be a part of don't let them say, Don't let them say, I'm just a eunuch. Don't let them say, I'm just a foreigner. No, 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 because there's something else that I've said about this place. Because this is a place where I fill this house with joy. Israel, this is a place where even when you think you're on the outside, no, no, or on the inside, you still need rescue. For the foreigner who thinks that they don't belong, no, no, there's unity for you. For the eunuch who says, I'm nothing but a dried up tree. All of my hope is lost. I have no children and no future. And God says, I actually have something greater for you. Now this is where it gets really, really hard. Because if we actually believed that, if we actually believed that God has something bigger than the thing that we just desire in the present. Because the thing that the unit desires in the present is just a bunch of kids. I, 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 just, I, mean, I, I there's no hope for me, there's dreams I, I can't even have, no one else will carry on my name. All of my dreams are crushed. And God said, no, no, I actually have a dream that's bigger than, kids, like, let me actually read you what he says, just to remind you of what we read. Don't let them say this. I'm going to bless the eunuch, and they keep my Sabbath, and commit their lives to me. I will give them within the walls of my house a memorial in their name, far greater than the sons and daughters could give far greater than the thing they think they want. I've got something far greater for them and the name that I give them is an everlasting one and it will never disappear. So often we desire things that are just temporary and God says, I got something that's even greater for you but the thing that I have that's greater for you is an everlasting thing. Which, come on, that's a hard pill to swallow because I want what I want now. You know, I just want these kids. No, I just want some money in the bank account. No, I just want this to happen. I want my way, and I just need you to rescue this moment. There's a bigger plan going on, but if you'll put your faith, and you'll put your hope, and you'll put your trust in me, I will get a new name to you, and this is an everlasting name that will last generation upon generation upon generation, and this is the thing that, trust me, you want. But you don't know that you're supposed to want the thing that you want because you want what you want right now. And that's why we need rescue (laughs) from me, from all of these things, releasing our hopelessness into the one who can see farther than we ever could. I don't see how you're going to work all this out, but I believe that you will. I believe that you're working all things for the good of those who believe. I don't see how this situation is going to work out for my good, but your word says it, and your word will not return void. So even if it's generations down the line, God, I just believe in what you said. I believe in your word. I believe I'm going to lay down my preference. I don't care about what my flesh wants anymore. God, I want what you want. And I don't care if Alan plays the songs I want. I don't care if Lucas preaches the sermons I want to hear. No, no, God, I want your word. I want something I can stand on when I reach the toughest nights of my soul, and I don't give up when a lawnmower breaks in the middle of mowing. (laughs) Something more, something more. Worship team, come on up. Everybody stand to your feet with me. Roots that go deep into this house of prayer. To this place in which this exile finds hope. Planting seeds and fields in a country I don't even want to be in. And finding joy where I could sing in this prison cell. Because God makes beautiful things. And in him we find joy again. And rescue again. And unity again. And hope beyond the grave. Why? Because it is written. It's written. It was written a long time ago. And the only preference that really matters is Jesus. And so, God, I want what you want this house to be known as a house of prayer, a house where we come and find unity and hope, a place where the outsider realizes you're welcome here, a place where even though this is on the inside, we don't forget our rescue. Because if we're not careful, if we're not careful, church, we could trade the joy of our salvation for the comfort of our culture and it's miserable it is absolutely miserable trying to keep up with what's hot and what's not and what's good and whatever's comfortable will break every time but I'm telling you you could find and you could put your roots down into someone knows every pain and every hurt and every tear and every exile and everything you've ever done and still says, you know what? This is how I treat my enemies. I die for them. I love them. I provide a way into which they can come back to me. I make all things new and every word will come to pass because it is written. My promises will be fulfilled. So I'm here to tell you, there's hope in this house this morning. Bow your head, close your eyes with me. And maybe some of y'all have been following Jesus for a long time, and you felt like you're in exile. And God's saying, there's rescue for you. There's hope for you. You belong in my house. And, And maybe there's some of you that you're far from Christ, that you know it. You've not surrendered your life to God, you've surrendered to your own ways, or your own ideas, your own, and it's miserable. And God says, I want you, I want you, I love you, I died for you, there's a joy, and you don't even think you can find it in this place, because man, after all, that church has a bunch of hypocrites. Yeah, but Jesus, You and he's calling you home today. The word of God says, don't let the foreigner, the outsider, the eunuch, don't let them say that anymore. Don't hear the words you don't belong. Because you do. You're wanted. So I want to pray two prayers this morning. First prayer, Lord. For those of us that have lost the joy of our salvation, for those of us that have turned your house into prayer into a place of our preference, I surrender. I am yours. You are mine. Fill my heart. Fill my mind. I lay it all down before you. I believe. Help my unbelief. Amen. Amen. Guys, can we give it up? We have somebody in the house this morning. Come on. Come on. Hey, church before. Well, we hope this podcast has blessed you. In case you didn't know, we are in the middle of renovating a brand new facility right here in Brunswick County, North Carolina. So listen, two things. Please take a moment and pray for us. Also, if you'd like to give to the ministry, sign on to the website at mycoastalchurch.com giving. Hey, have a wonderful, wonderful day. Grace and peace.